This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Picture it, Los Angeles, 2023. Welcome to Out on the Lanai, the only Golden Girls podcast you're ever going to need to listen to. Who am I? Oh, I'm H. Allen Scott slash Sadie Pines. And I'm Carrie Doherty. That's who you are. And this is a podcast where we used to watch an episode of the Golden Girls and then talk about it, but we ran out of those episodes. And then we watched the spinoff, The Golden Palace, but we ran out of those episodes too. And so now, now, what do we do? What do we do right now? We do whatever the hell we want. Your newskies. Uh, today we're doing, I took that out for a spin. It was awful. Today we're doing another Golden Rewind where we go back and rewatch our favorite episodes of the Golden Girls and really talk about them and offer new insights since we first started breaking down these episodes back in 2014. And today we are talking about season four, episode 19, Till Death Do We Volley, a.k.a. the one with the Dorothy Killed Trudy party. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, back when we originally watched this, we, we did a lot of talking about, like, practical jokes that we play on our friends and each other and stuff. So we've covered all of those bases. And I think we've both came to an agreement that, like, we don't really like practical jokes. Is that right? Do you still stand by that, Carrie? Well... I do believe, I do declare, I do believe that, uh, I do vow to, no, I, (laughs) I do believe that the first time we recorded this episode, that this was the first time I told the practical joke story about pranking my friend Kim with the clown. Yeah, which is a, which is a Um, classic story that I think everyone remembers fondly. Yes, and I know it's been brought up multiple times on the podcast since then, but I I would say if you do want to hear a story of the worst practical joke I've ever played, go back and watch our original listening uh, of this episode, listen to of this episode. Um, And yes, I am... I will. I don't. I don't believe I am fond of practical jokes. I think after that experience, yeah, I, I think we can agree. And then you yourself no. are like, no, right? I've never been the the. I mean, my mother was very big into practical jokes. Um, I've never really been. I'm, I'm not an easily embarrassed person, so I'm not if, like as someone. If someone does a practical joke onto me, I tend to just sort of liken it up to, oh, that's comedy, or someone's riffing me, or, or I'm gullible because I am a very gullible person. So like. I, I'm not embarrassed at all, which I think makes me the worst person to do a practical joke on. Because if you do something to me in the hopes of embarrassing me, I'm just going to be like, it's Tuesday, whatever. You know, like I'm not going to care. So I'm sort of a bad person to even do a practical joke on. And if I was doing a practical joke, I, I don't know. I liken it, which there is a, there is a very good fart joke in this episode, but I liken it to a fart joke because like, it's just. It's just lazy to me. You know what I mean? It's just like, if you can't be funny just as yourself, like just you being you, and you have to like resort to practical jokes to like get a laugh out of people and like laugh at someone's embarrassment, you're just not very talented and maybe you should not do funny things. Like maybe you're just not funny and that's okay. You don't have to do the crazy things like faking your own death. So yeah, I'm with you in that it's sort of like the lowest 
It's like the lowest form of one of the lowest forms of comedy, I think. However, in watching the most recent Jackass movie, oh my god, I did love it. I did love it. I have to admit, I saw it in theaters and I enjoyed it. (laughs) For that type of practical jokery, I I mean, you have to be. You have to be on another level in terms of your thrill seeking because the thing, the physical and emotional anguish that these people put themselves through to be a part of this like friend group, it's astonishing. And they're getting, I mean, if you just watch it, they're getting like their tongues bit by scorpions, a lot of mashing of the balls and wieners. Um, There's just so, I mean, people are, they're just hurting themselves. I mean, I think Johnny Knoxville, I think, did he lose a testicle from a bull? I don't even know. I think. I don't even know. But he had a really bad... And he, oh, and he, no, he had a concussion. Mm, okay. Yeah. I think it, I think he got, I think he, he got hit in the balls in a different thing, but he got a very, very bad concussion. I think, I, I think he had brain damage. I think it's fair to it say he's wild. been hit in the balls by many things. <laughs> many, yeah, many things. I'm, I will say anyway, Jackass, Jack, Jackass has always kind of, I mean, I love Jackass and I enjoy watching it, but I don't even see that as practical joking as much as sort of just like, absurd extreme comedy pratfalling like it's not necessary i mean there is a practical joke element to it sure of course there is yeah they're pulling practical jokes yes. at each other yeah but it never really rings as just that to me like a practical joke to me is mm-hmm. is the intention of a practical joke my definition of how i perceive a practical joke is that it is intended to make somebody else embarrassed or somebody else mm-hmm. the butt of a joke and I don't see jackass like that necessarily because a lot of times they're doing it in a way to, I mean, you're in on it or like, you know, you expect it from this friend group or like, you know what I mean? And also just as a, uh, as a gay homosexual growing up with jackass, I applaud them for the years of peen visibility in film and television that, (laughs) that was so lacking in so many different areas of my life. So thank you, Johnny Knoxville for the peen. Um, But... (laughs) I yeah no I don't I don't see the practical joking but I do see I mean I enjoy them I guess I don't know I'm not I don't know I'm not like pressed about it or anything I do think Trudy is meaner than Dorothy in the practical joke department I think she's more ruthless oh, she's more 100%. Johnny Knoxville and Dorothy is Stevo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with. Yes, I think that's a fair assumption. That yes, what what Trudy does is much worse at just like Johnny Knoxville is usually he's rarely on the receiving end of of the worst practical jokes. And Steve-O is a lot of the time and is like kind of a good sport about it. Yeah. Um, But, but unlike Steve-O Dorothy's this episode, we saw more, it was just a glimpse, but it was similar to Steve-O and his frequent nudity. It was the most of Dorothy's leg we have ever seen in an episode of the Golden Girls. I don't know if you spotted it. Did you spot it? When she was playing tennis? Not when she was playing tennis. It was after she was playing tennis at the table. And well, she stood course, up. Well, of course, because we never see them. Yeah, of course. Oh. And she stood up. And she was wearing the shortest little tennis skirt, of course. Or maybe shorts. I don't know if they were a skirt or shorts. And for, and you see, you see B. Arthur kind of pulling down the dress because she realizes her legs are showing. And then for the rest of the scene, she's completely shot from the waist up. So like we oh, actually saw I'll have to go B. back and Arthur rewatch that. Thigh. I mean, back when we first watched it, I don't think I was able to even see it because my television wasn't that big and you know, it's just we weren't looking for that. But now I have this massive television and when she stood up, I was like, <gasps> B. Arthur Thigh. I was like taken aback because I've never seen that level of skin on B. Arthur before. I was just kind of blown away by it. That is a really great observation. We definitely didn't notice that the first time around. I feel like we would have, yeah. I would have remembered talking about it. Wow. Yeah. You really, well, now that you do have that big TV, you know, you have to go back and rewatch those old jackass yes. uh, oh, trust me. movies and, and TV shows so you can see the peen in the do however many inches your television is. Do not worry. Um, I do also want to, I, I want to bring up one thing about this episode because I was really, when you texted me, because you usually, 
I mean, I suggest rewinds, but you usually suggest the rewinds or what we're going to go with. And which I applaud because the anxiety of me choosing would be too much. But I, so when you texted me that we were doing this, I was so excited because of Anne Francis. Anne Francis, who plays Trudy, I had never read her bio on IMDb. Now, you know how on IMDb, like, either the talent can provide it or, like, somebody writes some weird bio for this talent. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Gary Brumber? I don't know. His email is provided. I don't want to share it. But on her IMDb, Gary goes in and says, so, like, what's so interesting about Anne is she was, like, a classic MGM, like, 20th Century Fox sort of, like, bit player but she was a Broadway person too and she was just sort of like a classic not character actor she was just a beauty in a lot of movies and TV stuff mm-hmm. great two two great episodes of the Twilight Zone however she was in Funny Girl in a very small part in Funny Girl as sort of like you know Barbara Streisand's like not friend but like a not assistant I don't know who she they never really defined her character but she was definitely in it and her voice is so unique even though she's from New York she sounds like an old-timey Southerner slash East Coast person. Like, she has this undefinable accent to her that is just so uniquely her, right? Yeah, I had that note that I was like, oh, it's interesting. Her and Dorothy are both from Brooklyn, but she sounds more like Blanche. Yeah. And and, and then, then I was like, well, I guess I used to sound like Mark Wahlberg, but I moved to Georgia and my accent, like, neutralized when I was yeah. 19. So I was like, you know, maybe, maybe you know, Trudy moved you know, somewhere yeah. in the South. That was just kind of my assumption, but well, definitely a very, a very memorable voice. Very memorable. Voice for sure. And that's how, when we first watched this, I was like, oh my God, she's in Funny Girl. So I went to read Anne's bio, which I didn't really know much more about her other than Funny Girl in this episode. And Gary, this, this sent, you can tell Gary falls hard for Anne Francis. Gary has like <laughs> his wallpapered Anne Francis room. It goes, The actress returned to films on occasion, the most controversial being Funny Girl, in which her co-star, Barbara Streisand, or her co-starring role as Barbara Streisand's pal, was heartlessly reduced to a glorified cameo. (sighs) I mean, he's still still pressed. And then he goes on, For such a promising start with such an amazing stamina and longevity, the girl with the sexy beauty mark probably deserved better. I I the way he loves um, Anne Francis. I oh, love Gary. I love Gary. I, I love that. Gary, thank you so much for doing her justice. <laughs> justice for Anne. He didn't he didn't um, bring oh up the gosh. episode of the Golden Girls, though, which I think is a shame. I think Gary needs to get into the episode of the Golden Girls, but he probably is more old school Anne Francis fan. Sure, of course. Well, speaking of getting into it, we have a lot to talk about with this episode. Should we, especially how much of a Blanche episode it is, but we'll get into it. It Let's take a break and we'll come back and dive in. Oh my God, I'm so excited. And we're back. So I know I just blew everybody's minds right before the break (laughs) by saying this is a Blanche episode. I agree with you. This is a Blanche Devereaux episode. Blanche had some of the best lines in this episode, like the runner of Trudy asking a question that's not being asked of Blanche and Blanche answering it so is good. so good. The, um, you know, like, uh, how does it feel to have your butt whipped and Blanche being <laughs> like, oh, well, oddly, I find it titillated. And yeah. Oh, okay. You weren't talking to me like those. And then the story about Kathy Lee, which yeah. we'll play a clip from it a little bit later, but I, that story, I watched it like three times because mm-hmm. I was just so enamored with Blanche in that moment. This whole episode, uh, like I it, was, I mean, I so agree uh, with you. I would not go so far, unlike the episode of the actor, I would not go so far and assign this episode to Blanche because I thought the actor episode was a Dorothy episode. This episode is still very much a Dorothy episode to me. However... The Rue McClanahan, she's a wonderful actress, of course, and she can do a leading, she can carry a story like nobody else. She's great at that. I think she personally excels when she's reacting to a story. I agree. I I mean, you look at the chronic fatigue syndrome episode, and I think that's some of Rue McClanahan's best work because it was all about her staying up all night and writing this book and little balls of sunshine and like all of those absurd, almost Pratt Folly type line deliveries where 
she's just throwing it all at the wall and she's carrying the humor of the episode all on her back. And it's kind of, I wouldn't say it's the same with this episode, but this episode is a great example of how great of an actress, a character actress, Rue McClanahan is and how she can assist a story and carry it on and give it nuance and humor. And like she can move it along while at the same time, like making it very much her own. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You say that Blanche is always really strong when she's like reacting to someone else's story, essentially, which I immediately go to a little romance with everything she did with Dr. Jonathan Newman, even forgive me father. Mm -hmm. um, You know, when it's her with the priest, when she's in not like an, maybe an uncomfortable situation or she's, she's inserting Blanche into a situation that is not calling for it. And I, and I felt like, Oh, it, was it also just, works in serious episodes, too. It works with when Rose has the HIV scare. And Blanche is such an important... I would say in that episode, Sophia is the, is the reaction humor in the episode. However, Blanche mm-hmm. is the reaction serious part, serious tone. I mean, she... Rose is just spending the episode terrified, rightfully so. So it's up to Blanche to carry the real drama and story of the episode and explain the serious things of the episode. And it's so amazing Mm -hmm. because it just shows you how Dorothy is the character that she is. Rose is the character that she is. And so is Sophia. And you could argue that they're one note, whereas Blanche has peaks and valleys that we see along the series that like is kind of mind blowing sometimes that you don't see with the other characters in a lot of ways. You see it more often, I think. I would argue you see it more often with Blanche than you do any of the other characters. I would say you see different sides of Blanche more than the other women. I certainly wouldn't describe them as one note. No, I don't mean that necessarily. Like, you know, because you you see vulnerability in Dorothy. You see like Rose with her sort of competitive side where she loses her sort of, you know, Rose is always the nice one um, Mm -hmm. sort of attitude. But, But um, but certainly I think you see, yeah, the greatest variety with Blanche, 100%. Yeah. Um, and in this particular episode, uh, so as everybody knows, uh, Trudy McMahon, great, great name, by the way, yeah. um, is Dorothy's best friend from high school. She's coming for their high school reunion. Um, I loved this moment with Blanche where she says that she loves high school reunions. She said that she went to hers and she was the most successful person. Yeah. And Dorothy's like, didn't you go to school with that doctor who won the Nobel Prize? And she's like, oh, yeah, but she let her looks go to hell. <laughs> like <laughs> what I I mean, we talked about uh, this in the original episode, but I think it bears repeating. Does anybody have high school reunions not in their hometown where their high school is? I don't think they do. I don't think it's a thing. Oh my God, that's right. I just realized that. No, well, okay. Okay. The only, the only thing I can think is if, 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 if we're basing it on the stereotype that all older people move to Florida (laughs) when they reach a certain age, then you could argue that most of their class lived in Miami or in the in Florida at that time. See, I would argue that they, they, they would have sort of like a pin pal thing where everyone that lives in Miami might have a meetup at some restaurant or something, but the actual reunion, because to me in my high school, the reunions always happen around like, like Thanksgiving time when people will be traveling back mm-hmm. to the, to their hometown with family and friends and stuff. But at Dorothy's age, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if they're traveling back to see family all that often. So like, I, it's so weird to me. It's so weird to me. I mean, yeah, it feels more, I mean, with the amount of people that are in the room, again, unless like this is real dark, unless a lot, a lot of their classmates just passed away, but there's like 20 people in that room. So it definitely feels more like a local meetup than yeah. a reunion. Yeah. But like, but yeah, that's the only way to explain why Trudy is in town because they haven't seen each other for so long. Thanks. But it is also interesting that you would hold her, usually reunions are held at either like at a restaurant yeah, or like a, a bar at a, um, at a bar or at a, like a, at like the ballroom of a, you know, a hotel or something if it's yeah. a big, big class. But yeah, just at somebody's house was really funny. Did you also, go to your, did you go to your high school reunion? I'm sure we talked. Um, <clears throat> no, I haven't been to any high school reunions. I think I lived in New York, I think for my, 
I think there, there there was a five year and I remember being like, I just saw you five years. <laughs> nah. Um, and then I think I had just moved from new, from New York to L. No, I still lived in New York for my tenure. I guess I just didn't go to it. I went to um, one. But every, it's because everybody was on Facebook by then. Yeah, of course. And I was like, I see what you're all doing. I know I have, anyway. I mean, I have, I feel like I have so many people who just respond to me on Instagram and stuff that it's like, I don't need to have a reunion. I know about you. You're responding to all my stupid shit. Like, I don't get whatever. But I did go to one, um, I the tenure, and I, which is crazy because I only graduated four years ago. <laughs> and uh, I no, I I went to my tenure one, and it was during I was it was when I was going through chemo and stuff. So I was like, it was after chemo, but I was like still recovering, you know. And um, my high school, I remember I was feeling so embarrassed and I went, so I graduated high school with Nikki Glaser and we weren't like crazy, crazy good friends. We were friends in high school, but I wouldn't say we were like best friends, but we would connect. I mean, I've stayed in touch with her probably more and then two other friends more than anybody else really, because just because what we do. And I- uh, And for anybody living under a rock, Nikki Glaser is a very, very funny comedian. Yeah, she's famous. And- um, I remember telling her, I was like, I'm not looking forward to this. This is not going to be good. I don't want to like, I don't want to do this. And I went in and she was there and it was cool and it was chill and people were talking to me, but I was bald and there was a lot of attention. And then this guy came up because there was this joke about a bar mitzvah. I think I've told it on the podcast before. And I was like, oh my God, I have to tell you this joke that I have in my act about like your bar mitzvah to my classmate. And he got so pissed he got angry at me for like even though the joke isn't about him it has nothing like it's not offensive in any way shape or form and I never even mentioned his name but he got he got offended that I have a joke about his bar mitzvah in my act and I was like well you're bald so whatever and I was so like I pulled a Blanche and I was like well you clearly don't take care of yourself because you're ugly and you're bald now so bye and I won the Nobel Prize. So <laughs> it was a was it a joke about him specifically, no, but you didn't use his name, or was it, was it a, a joke, joke about, about something it was that a joke happened about at his me and a pra- a practical joke that my mother played on me when I went to his bar mitzvah? This is every- oh, so he's not even the butt of the joke. No, he's oh, not even the butt of the joke. Every, everyone's gonna hate in the comments because one of my, another one of my tangents. But the joke is that. My mother told because I'd never been to a bar mitzvah before, and my mother told me that they circumcise all the boys at the bar mitzvah. Like they circumcised the bar mitzvah boy at the bar mitzvah. So I believed her and I went around telling everyone at the bar mitzvah that, oh my God, he's going to get circumcised. He's going to get circumcised. So I went up to his mother at the bar mitzvah and I was like, hi, Mrs. So-and-so. Great party, but I'm Mormon. I was at the time. I'm Mormon. So I can't see, you know, him get circumcised. And she just looked at me and she took me to another group of women. And she was like, I want you to say exactly what you just said to all of these women (laughs) and I did and I got the biggest laugh they all were laughing hysterically in that moment I knew my mother was playing a horrible practical joke on me didn't talk to her for like a week but in the little stole his thunder that's why he was mad at you a little part of me because you were hilarious at his bar mitzvah (laughs) a little part of me was like that was the first time I told a joke and really killed and it was like I I felt good you know what I mean so it's a good moment it's a good story whatever fuck you dude it's a really funny story um well that to me is if that falls in like the Dorothy category of like, you can't get mad at that. Yeah. That's not a, you telling that joke that falls in more into the Dorothy, less of the Trudy. If it was in the Trudy category, then then yeah. that dude may have been a little bit more justified in his anger. Um, well, he's but bald. He's speaking bald, of practical so. jokes. <laughs> so uh trudy and dorothy i mean this is their deal this is the the it define practical jokes define their friendship Mm -hmm. and the most notorious one that trudy played on dorothy was that everybody on the tennis team she said they were all going to wear their tennis whites to prom which like you know what save some money on a dress sure and then dorothy showed up and of course she was the only one wearing hers yeah and she's like but you know what you know trudy's coming to town i'm going to brush up on my tennis skills like this is going to be great uh, so Trudy is, it, 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 and she says something like, you know, I'm going to practice tennis. Trudy's coming in like a week and a half. So Dorothy's like, got some time. Uh, and then we cut to like, I guess a week and a half later and Trudy's about to arrive. And there's a really great exchange between, mm-hmm. uh, Dorothy Blanche and Rose that I would love to play. Oh, I am so excited. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to see Trudy again after all these years. Oh, I'm excited mm. for you too, Dorothy. That's why I want everything perfect. 
I'm making Scandinavia's oldest and most traditional appetizer treat, cheese and crackers. <laughs> cheese and crackers, Rose. Not eggs gefluffen? <laughs> Ham and Gunterhoggins? <laughs> Pigs and a Svengebluten? <laughs> No, but you sure know how to make a girl's mouth water. <laughs> so two things about this exchange. One, I love that for once they're giving uh, McClanahan all of the weird like yeah. Scandinavian St. Olafian words to say, because I feel like poor Betty White, like she always had them and she always killed them. So it's fun that they gave them to Blanche. Yeah. Um, another thing I noticed about this scene is that Dorothy's excitement with Trudy coming it sounds a lot like when she's excited about like yes. Patrick Vaughn or Burt Reynolds. Like she, he, oh, Patrick Vaughn. Oh, Trudy. I'm so excited. She's coming. Like it's that, Which is so, it's that really like giddy excitement. I mean, it's, oh, I don't even know. It's so interesting. When I don't react to, I don't react to out of town guests the way that Dorothy does. I'm always like, <laughs> Oh, brother. Okay, we got to do this brunch and then we got to do this thing and then we have to spend the last day together. And all like, I think of all the things and I'm like, all the things that I have to do in my regular life because they're coming into my life and disrupting it. Right. And meanwhile, Dorothy's like, Mr. Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, that's funny. I feel like I'm the same way. Yeah. It's just that stress of like, oh, oh gosh, this person's coming and I still have to clean. Well, but I mean, no, you know, never Dorothy. Where we used to record in my old apartment, I lived in a studio apartment in Los Feliz here in Los Angeles. And I and I could have, I could, I wasn't all broke the whole time. I could have afforded a one bedroom, but I stayed in that studio until I got in a relationship with Michael because for the very sole reason of not having out of town guests, I did not want anyone thinking that I had the space in my living room to house them for two or three days. I live in a studio. It would be awkward for you to stay here. So no, go somewhere else. I love that. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah. That is, <laughs> that's, I never knew that. That's really funny. I'm telling you this runs um, deep guys. My, my hatred of, of, interactions runs deep <laughs> that's so funny that's yeah. so so funny i never knew that yeah. so uh trudy shows up like a tornado of energy yeah. and um i think we should play her entrance because the her it, it's funny that they play tennis because the, the 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 sort of quips going back and forth between trudy and dorothy it's like a tennis match that you're watching it's amazing oh trudy dorothy It's been so long. Boy, you look... It's been so long. I know, and you, you look exactly the way you did at our high school graduation. Of course, rumors were that you were three months pregnant. I want you to meet my husband, Jack. You didn't tell me you had such a handsome husband. Didn't tell you he was rich, either. Oh, that's my Trudy. Oh, you haven't lost your sense of humor. Or those pesky 10 pounds. <laughs> Her husband was hot. He's one he of was the... a pretty good looking guy. No, he's one of he those. He was a pretty good looking guy. He's one of those guys at the gym that are like, that's that are older and you know they're probably married, but they're like giving you the eye and you're like, oh, in another world. In another world. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like, I mean, I love the way that Trudy and Dorothy talk to each other. It's very funny. It's like a much lighter version of what we sort of see with Sophia and Aunt Angela because obviously there's like a lot of like like a lot of like past shit between the two of them did so, you know speaking so of Aunt Trudy Angela and Dorothy I have to ask you there's a there's a dress that that Sophia wears in this episode it's a red dress it's a shapeless red sort of dress that she wore and it reminded me a lot I didn't check it out or anything but I looked at it and I was like did they did Aunt Angela wear that like I can't... Aunt Angela, um, I'll have to go. I know what red dress you're talking about. And I do remember Aunt Angela wearing a red dress. I'm trying to think. Remember, it, it reminded me one. of a shapeless dress that she wore, too, because they wore similar outfits. So like, yeah, and they were the same size, yeah, too, yeah. the two actors. Um, yeah, something that's to possible. look into for all the fans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do a side by side and S by S. Um, so the, the two of them, I mean, their back and forths keep going and it's so great. And at one point 
Trudy's talking about how strong Dorothy was after Stanley walked out on her for that flight attendant. And Mm -hmm. she goes, Dorothy, I admire your gumption. And Dorothy goes, and I, your breast implants. (laughs) And B. Arthur's delivery is like, it's so perfect when she says that. It makes me wonder, because they are so good together, it made me wonder if they knew each other in like the Broadway days. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they must have. Yeah. They they definitely, there was a rhythm, you know, yeah, whether they knew each other, whether it was just their rehearsals together or, yeah, it definitely felt like there was a history between them. Maybe they're just both really great actors, but yeah, I'd be curious to know if they knew each other prior to this. Yeah. so then, uh, so Dorothy and Trudy uh, go into the kitchen and, um, you know, Trudy's husband asks Sophia a question. <laughs> and it's going. And we have to play this moment because th- this whole moment, Estelle Giddy is just on fire in this clip. Give me a hand in the kitchen. Hmm? Were they like that in high school, Mrs. Petrillo? Oh, no. Her breasts were actually a lot smaller back then. <laughs> I meant, were they rivals? What is this, Nova? I don't have all the answers. <laughs> I'm afraid you'll have to excuse Sophia, Jack. Oh, you heard that? <laughs> I thought I was safe backed up against these pillows. I don't usually like a fart joke, but if anyone can deliver a good fart joke, it is Estelle Getty. I mean, just listen to those laughs. Yeah. Like, for an actor, especially, you know, for a theater actor, and she's performing for an audience, it just must be so validating and nice and joyful to get that kind of laugh. When she says, oh, you heard that? That laugh lasts a while. She's just getting laugh after laugh. And I'm just like, so excited that she had that I do want to report one thing. So B. Arthur and uh, Anne Francis did appear, and not on Broadway, but in, they may have done something on Broadway together, but apparently Anne Francis is in the TV movie called My First Love that B. Arthur did, where she wore the same outfit from an episode of The Golden Girls. She also wore in this TV movie, literally the exact same outfit in a TV movie, and the movie came out in 1988, and when did this episode come out? I mean, they must have probably either just have worked on it, or, yeah, the movie came out a year before this episode. So, like, you know, maybe they had that rhythm from that movie. Yeah, I love that you looked that up, because now we have the answer. So, yeah, they knew each other from that. They may have known each other elsewhere, but we know at the least they were in that movie together. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for looking that up. You're welcome. And we'll watch um, that in a rewind. Not a rewind, a, a beyond someday, because people have requested my first love oh great i would love to do that one um so the women so uh blanche and rose go to check on trudy and dorothy they go into the kitchen to find them arm wrestling so which is such a fun sight because you know what kind of friendship do you have with someone where you can't go a full minute without challenging the other one to an arm wrestle like especially at that age like And so I go like, well, how did that happen, right? So I feel like maybe Trudy and Dorothy went into the kitchen. Dorothy went to like lift a tray of food. And Trudy was like, oh, let me help with that. And Dorothy goes, no, no, I've got it. And then they're just off. And then, you know, 10 seconds later, they're arm wrestling to try to prove who is stronger. Yeah, it's so good. I mean, I want to know the setup to it, but it's so good. (laughs) It's it's so good just to walk in and find them doing that. And then so after, so Trudy beats Dorothy at arm wrestling uh, which I kind of feel like in real life, like B. Arthur would have won, but like whatever, I'm 1, biased. 1,000%. Um, and she goes, and this is the start of Blanche's uh, runner of answering questions that are not being asked of her, where Trudy says, um, how does it feel to get your butt whipped? And Blanche goes, well, sometimes I find it strangely titillating, but oh, no, no, you're not talking to me. Like, <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so, so good. So to keep up with the competitive streak, Dorothy says she has a great idea. She's like, Trudy, we're going to play a little tennis match together. And I think Trudy calls her a pathetic middle-aged cow. And Dorothy says, I'm looking forward to it. You miserable sack of cellulite. <laughs> miserable. That it just, that is a cluster of words that sound so appealing to leave them out. Miserable sack of cellulite. It's one like, of what those. A fun, that mean, sounds like a warm up. Their insults, the way they volleyed their insults were so perfect, but it's one of those things that like, 
if I said it as an insult, it wouldn't come out the way B. Arthur can deliver it. You know what I mean? It's sort of like I posted mm-hmm. a clip the other day of um, Megan Mullally from Will and Grace, and she says something being like, you know, please accept my apology in which it was intended or I'll kick you in the genitals. And she's, she's meaning like genitalia, like she's meaning the genitals, you know what I mean? But I've been trying to use genitals in a sentence and it's really difficult because I just, I'm not Megan Mullally. And it's the same with B. Arthur. She delivers these insults or Estelle Getty even. She delivers these insults and I can't do them justice. Yeah, it's it, it's definitely their delivery is like the best you can do is try to imitate it like yeah. them. Yeah. And that's it. It's good. Um, so now we're at the tennis match and, you know, we're not actually watching Dorothy and Trudy play tennis because like, why would we do that to those actors? Um, so instead, we're watching Rose, Sophia and Blanche who are watching them play tennis off camera. I love, I just, I love all the colors that are happening. Like uh-huh. the stands are mint green. Betty White is in purple. Um, Sophia is wearing a, like a red visor. They're all wearing visors. She's wearing a red visor and it doesn't match her outfit at all. And yeah. I'm here for it. Yeah. Um, I was actually surprised. I thought that there would have been a joke where like Blanche shows up wearing a tiny tennis outfit, even though she has no intention of playing. Like she's never played tennis. She just owns the costume quote, you know, (laughs) because she wants to flirt with the landscaper. Um, Sounds like something I would do. But it sounds like something you would do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was like, that felt like something Blanche would do. But sure, I understand that, um, you know, they just need to get to the the, the, the point of of the scene, I guess. Yeah. so Trudy and Dorothy are going uh, back and forth playing tennis off camera, and then they take a quick break from playing. But before we get to that moment, I think we should take a break. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Did you see what I did there? Uh-huh. I did. <laughs> and we're back. So... Dorothy and Trudy get back to playing out on the court. And here's the moment I like to call everyone fails Trudy and lets her die on the tennis court. Let's go ahead and play that moment. Boy, Trudy is beating the dickens out of Dorothy. Oh, oh, I I just have to catch my breath. (laughs) Are we going to play or do you want to forfeit? No way. Now, Dorothy's born act doesn't know the meaning of the word forfeit. And she's a teacher, too. (laughs) No wonder the Japanese are ahead of us. I mean, so what blew... And I've never been around someone who died suddenly of a heart attack. Like, I've which I assume that's probably what happens or what she is intending to happen to herself. Right. And, but the way she spoke when she was like, are we going to play or are you going to forfeit? You know what I mean? She wasn't out of breath. There was no like, do you want to play or do you want to forfeit? Like there was no like gasping for air like myself going up two flights of stairs. There was none of the signs of near death in Trudy's mm-hmm. voice. And so well, I give it to yeah. the women. Let her die on the field. If she's talking like that and drops dead, it was meant to be. Um, I, I know I said this the first time we recorded, but when Trudy falls down, they're like, oh, it looks like Trudy fell. She's not getting back up. They're all just talking about it. Like they just stand there. None of them rush over. We don't hear Dorothy off camera being like, Trudy, are you okay? Like it weirdly makes the moment feel eerily calm. Like there is no sense of urgency until the act break music and the women are like, oh, I guess we should like uh, go down from the stands. Now it kind of reminded I, me of, also... of like what I mean in this moment, because I knew you were gonna bring this up as I was watching it. I was like, she's gonna find she's gonna figure out that they're not responding to Trudy's death. Because we talked about that in the original too. But this moment kind of reminds me of Seinfeld in that it feels like something the Seinfeld characters would do. Oh wow, he's really not getting back up. Um, well, it's four o'clock. Do you guys want to eat before because if I eat after six, I'm gonna get heartburn. So we probably need to go yeah you know, that like, do, it does it, it feels, feels like sort of Seinfeld yeah. Moment. yeah yeah um yeah that's so true um yeah they're just like stepping over the body on their way out um <laughs> i'll drive so 
during our yeah they're like oh god i'm so, we're so incredibly rude they like go to like the dead body like did you want anything from we're going to frank's hot dog should, okay. we, should we maybe put um, a coat on her it's probably gonna get cold i mean it's evening yeah let's put a coat on let's oh i left my oh god guys this is horrible i left the i left my sunroof open um so what if we just spent the rest of this if we spent the next like 30 minutes just riffing we off could. of this one we really could. stupid seinfeld we joke. could create a whole evening that we have after leaving trudy's we would body lose on the court. so many listeners i think i already would have with all of like, my tangents no no i think people have grown to love them people are just <laughs> skipping ahead 30 seconds 30 seconds 30 seconds there was there was a comment i mean seinfeld bit. There's, there's this great uh other other golden girls podcast called enough wicker and they they take a sort of a scholarly approach to the golden girls episodes and i'm so eager to have them on we've been communicating i think it's gonna happen in july so like look forward to that but um there was a comment that i saw i think i don't know if they posted it or i read it or something but someone was being like I love how you guys get straight to the point and you talk about the episode and dissect the episode, unlike other podcasts that talk about themselves for 15 minutes. And I was like, I think they're talking about us. Oh, they're for sure talking about us. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it. All the love. You know, there's a million different things you can listen to and we don't have to be loved by everybody. But I'm sure that person is probably listening to this because I also hate listening to things too. Well, but that's just it. You just don't have to listen then, I guess. Yeah, exactly. It's like if you don't want to hear us talk about anything else, then just don't listen. I There's love it. so and many go, other great Golden Girls podcasts. Go listen to all the Golden Girls podcasts. Exactly. Show them all. Yes. So uh, one thing I know I talked about last time in the podcast that I am not going to talk about this time, but I just want to, just for anybody else who's thinking it, I just want to say the logistics of, of Trudy faking her death, I don't Thing, like the amount of people that would have to be yes. in on it, like an ambulance coming, yeah. like for people to, and then they have to know that she's dead. Who makes that call? Like is somebody calling to pretend to be a doctor? Anyway, I talked about that last time. If you want to hear my deep dive, go back and listen to the original recording of this, where I talk about logistically how it would be incredibly impossible for Trudy to pull off the thing that she pulled off, which actually makes her incredibly brilliant. Um, <laughs> so we come out of the act break. Trudy is dead. We think, uh dorothy feels horrible like a murderer uh rose tries to make her feel better by saying you know at the grief center we teach people about acceptance Mm -hmm. but i wonder if it actually would have been more helpful for rose to give dorothy advice on what it's like to accidentally kill someone in a heated moment like she did with frida claxton like that's a very specific experience that rose could have shared hey Here's how I dealt with accidentally killing Frida Claxton with my mean words. You know, Rose has killed men in bed. Rose has accidentally killed so many people. Charlie, that other guy who was married. Rose is a serial Rose killer. Has accidentally killed. Yeah. If you think about Rose it. Rose is the Dexter Rose of Miami. Killed... Wait, but Dexter's the Dexter of Miami. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Rose is the, the woman Dexter. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, I, I, I think that I'm sure Sophia has killed a couple people. Do I think she's killed more than Rose? No. And that is, it's incredible. Rose, Rose is a serial killer, I think. Wow. Um, if you had any of your anyway, friends, if you, if there's one friend, this is another, sorry guys, I'm doing it. If there's one friend of yours that you, that you, I mean, you don't have to say their name, but that you think they could kill someone in bed, like, because they're so good at sex, who would that friend be? Uh, or do you do you have a friend in mind? No. I think my friend My Philip friends are could. all pretty boring my, in the best way. My friend Philip could, I bet. Like accidentally. Why? Because it's just so good. But why? Because he's so good at it. Oh. How do you know? I mean, I just know. But I don't know from personal experience, but I just know. You know what I mean? Like, you okay. know, we have those conversations. Now that I think of it, I have a I have a friend who's a really good dancer. Oh, so like they could be so amazed by the, yeah, I get that. I get that. Interesting. Like someone who's like, you know, when you see somebody dance and you're like, oh, okay. I could see where that might be able to translate to the bedroom. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> girl though, not a guy. Um, so Blanche, <laughs> I wanted to play this whole thing. And when I pulled it, I was like, oh, this is like a four minute clip. So I split it up into two so that you wouldn't get mad at me and be like, we can't play a four minute clip. But 
so Blanche says that she's she also has experienced something similar. Um, so we're going to start this conversation that she has with Dorothy. Remember, I was a blossoming belle who had just won the Little Miss Magnolia pageant. Uh, Blanche, before you start, realize I am very vulnerable now and in no mood to hear a story about you and some Yahoo cracker with four first names pawing at each other under a magnolia tree. (laughs) Well, pardon me, Dorothy, but we can't all come from places as socially acceptable as Brooklyn. I'm sorry, Blanche, I'm sorry. Go on with the story. Just try to shy away from words like Tarnation and catfish. The fa- the, the Yahoo Cracker. What's so? Oh, this is huge. Shout out to the writers of this show because I love that you pulled. These are the two clips that you pulled because the the sort of the nugget of her saying Yahoo Cracker. I mean, there is such a symbolism around the American use of the word cracker and what that means and the legacy of it and all of those things, but. It's perfect alliteration here because it sets up how Blanche ends her story so perfectly that like mm-hmm. you need you need Dorothy saying Yahoo Cracker to understand how Blanche ends this scene. Right. So Blanche uh, dives into a story about how when she was eight years old, she met a girl named Kathy Lee on the playground. All I could think was Kathy Lee Gifford mm-hmm. the whole time, but. Uh, but Blanche's if parents could didn't want, see want her me to be now out on the Starship cruise, eating fancy food and doing what they do. Do you remember those commercials that she would do? I do now. <laughs> <laughs> so Blanche's parents didn't want her to be friends with Kathy Lee Gifford because her mother wasn't <laughs> in the Daughters of the Confederacy, which this is, I think, the first mention of the Daughters of the Confederacy. Yeah. Uh, So Blanche, you know, broke off the friendship, you know, otherwise her mother wouldn't give her like a new pair of riding boots. Uh, And now I want to jump back into uh, the story and the exchange between Blanche and Dorothy. Is this a story about acceptance? Oh, because years later to get back at me, Kathy Lee slept with my daddy. (laughs) That was something I had to accept. Mama accepted it, too, (laughs) along with a brand-new Cadillac Eldorado for her birthday. (laughs) You know, my family had a few dollars, and I loved them dearly, but when you get right down to it, basically, they were trash. The way she says trash. Basically, they were trash. It's... It's so like, good. Rue McClanahan must have slayed at monologues in high school theater club. Like, it, she's so good. Yeah. She's so good at that. She's so good at being Blanche. Yeah. Like, I've loved every other project that we've watched the women do, um, you know, every other Blanche project that we watch, as much as I loved watching her being like a singing Christmas nun, <laughs> like all these things that we've watched Rue McClanahan do. She was, I ha- I still have yet to see her be as funny as when she was Blanche Devereaux. It's just, it's, it's so perfect. I, I do encourage people to go watch some of her work on Mama's Family and Maud because it's a different level of funny and a different kind of funny, but it is mm-hmm. very similar in that, those shows recognize that, sure, she could lead a story, but she is best reacting to the star of the show and the crazy things that can happen when she reacts to a story because mm-hmm. she is Yeah, when she's, gold. like, not the straight person. When she's, yeah. she's gold when she does that. And there's some great episodes of Mama's Family where she has to react to Mama, and it's just so funny. Yeah, we should also watch one of those soon. We should yeah. pick a good Mama's Family episode for a uh, Beyond yeah. Golden Girls episode. Very down. Um, so Dorothy is so upset that she has forgotten that she's throwing the reunion party at their house on Richmond Street. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, and now we're at the reunion. Now I I feel like maybe we talked about this last time we watched the we we watched this episode on the podcast, but. What does the sign mean that's hanging up? It says, welcome league champs, 46. Well, so that's what I wondered. Are these people not necessarily high school friends, but like, were they all a part of a certain club? 
Like, were they all? Or like the tennis yeah, team or th- something? Because they're calling it like a re- they're calling it like a class reunion, right? But yeah, like you you'd think it would say like you know, like whatever, you know, like our mascot, like we were called the Crusaders. So if it said like, welcome Crusaders, class of 01 yeah. or whatever, but this says welcome league champs. Yeah, we were the and pioneers. I'm assuming it's class of 46. We were the pioneers. 46, there were a lot of important people born in 1946, just FYI. That mid Doesn't that make you feel really young what? to learn that the, the, the television program that we're watching, the women graduated high school yeah. in 1946 which isn't necessarily true because then that would mean when was i mean in that that doesn't make sense in terms of the timeline of this show because b arthur's character is supposed to be in her what early 60s maybe maybe early 60s maybe around 60 which means in yeah. ni- in 1989 she would have been if she was in her early, let's say she was 60 years old in 1989, what would that make her in 1946? I well, oh God, you know I hate doing math I don't know on the, the math. spot. Oh, wait, okay. let's do it, let's do it. Well, 79, let's say, 69, no, no. Okay, well, let's say they were, okay, so 1946, subtract 18 years. I guess they years. would have been, you're right, they would have been in their teens in, in the they 1940s. They would have been, yeah, thank you, because I didn't want to do any more math. But wow. if they were born in 1926, so they would have been born in 1928, so 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, yeah. 80. They would have been 61. Yeah. 61. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. I figured the math part out. Wow. Wow. It's Time is weird. Time is weird because, <laughs> you know, like, like <laughs> it, it will. Because we are so off the rails. But... <laughs> Oh God! I no. feel, I should have poured a glass of wine. But think about it, because like I knew it. In twenty years, we're gonna be at that point. So that means someone will be talking about our Wait, graduating class. Gonna... Yes, because if they're sixty-one and we're around the forty-ish age, so like you just said, you graduated high school four years ago. Pick a lane. I'm being honest <laughs> when I want to be honest. But what I'm saying is, how weird is that? Ah. Uh. I can't think about that. No, because it, it's no. That You'll be can't in a different be place because no. I have a I have a very tiny child that will be in and college. These women have when 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 you're her age, yeah. when you're Dorothy's age in this show. I mean, of course, Beatrice Arthur was older than the character she's playing, but yeah, you'll have a child in college when Dorothy is celebrating her high school reunion. So you might kill a friend from high school, have a party, and you know. Little Zelda's gonna, little Oreo's gonna come back from college and be like, "Hi, mom!" And you're gonna be like, "I killed Nikki." <laughs> I don't know what's happening right now, and I can't tell if I'm okay with it. <laughs> and Zelda's, Zelda's gonna come over to Michael and I's house and be like, "Mom is being weird. <laughs> she killed someone. Oh. Can I stay here tonight?" And then we'll all go to a drag show, and everything will be okay. <laughs> Well, that part sounds nice. Um, I should tell you real quick, This I did not take Little Oreo to a drag show, but I did try to take Little Oreo to an outdoor music class. Oh, how'd that go? And poorly. Um, <laughs> my ch- So I basically, it was just like a drop-in class, but I basically spent $30 for my child to run around a park, like a free park <laughs> that you just can go to. Because she did not want to sit down. She kept mad dogging Mr. Andy, the guy who teaches the class and sings the songs. There were like seven kids. They were all sitting on blankets and playing with instruments. And every time Mr. Andy gave little Oreo an instrument, she would take it and run away with it and point to the car like, let's go. Like she wanted to steal it. That's my Um, girl. I was like that too as a kid when I got older and stuff. I never followed any of the rules. I still don't. Look where I am now. I am living a... Wonderful small apartment. <laughs> yeah, well, it's because you don't want people to stay with you. Yeah. Um. Anyway, this is why you and little Oreo were you were meant to be friends. Um. So we're at the reunion. The again, yeah, like is the room is full of like I don't know twelve people. Yes. It's like a bunch of non-speaking extras, non-speaking extras, and one speaking actor who's pulling all the weight of all of the the people there for the reunion. She's walking around talking to everyone like. Where's Dorothy? Has anyone seen Trudy? Like, and she's a delight. Yeah. Uh, but Dorothy is in her room. She's too upset to come out and tell everyone that Trudy is dead. 
And finally, Sophia goes into her room. She tells her a picture at Cicely's story about being a bad party host. Mm -hmm. So finally, Dorothy, Dorothy decides to buck up and go tell everyone at the party that she accidentally killed Trudy. And this is what leads to one of B. Arthur's like not most, but certainly a memorable, like iconic moment on yeah. the show. And I have I think to, we should play I have it. to clarify too. So you told me to end a clip at a certain point, but I extended it just a little bit because I love the follow up to Dorothy's memorable line here almost as much as I love Dorothy's memorable line here. So we're gonna play Great. my part let's, as well. Let's do it. Everybody, everybody. It happened this morning when we were playing tennis. Trudy's heart just couldn't take it. I, I, I'm so sorry that I dragged her out on the cord and made her run back and forth so hard. I wish it had been me instead of her because it's all my fault. We might as well take down that banner and put up one that says, Welcome to the Dorothy Kill Trudy Party! <laughs> Darn, someone's late. Dorothy will have to give her speech all over again. The fact that Rose's response to Dorothy's line got a bigger laugh than Dorothy. I mean, they both were at their peak of just, like, hilarity in that moment. And I just, I love those two lines together. It's just, it's just like a, a volley of just a joke after a joke after a joke. It's so good. It's so, so funny. Um, and it's like such a funny rose, like the perfect rose joke. Truly. Um, so, yeah. And it's so great. And just the Dorothy kills Rudy party. Like, <laughs> it's like the, the, the uh, it's just, it's so funny. It's so good. It's just, it's so classic. Um, so, who's at the door? It's Trudy. Yes. And she's basically like, surprise, I'm alive. Uh, which is very reminiscent of the time that Sophia held awake for herself and they forgot to tell her friends she was alive and they all freaked out when she walked into the living room. Yes. Um, so here's a question for you. Yeah. So was Trudy like waiting outside the door listening for Dorothy to make that announcement? Because I, mean, I feel like she wouldn't want to come in before people thought she was dead. But also like what if there was a late like straggler to the reunion. I have a they feeling... come in and be like, hey, Trudy McMahon's like hanging outside with her ear pressed to the door like a weirdo. I have a like how did Trudy make that timing happen? That Trudy didn't make the timing happen. Her husband did. Because he was in on it. He we we find out in the next scene that Trudy hus Trudy's husband is in on the joke and was she ha she Dorothy has to know at this point that Trudy's not dead. She has to. Because well, yes. Yes, exactly. So, tr so Trudy's husband, the hot guy at the gym who I would make eyes with in a different life, he kept Trudy back. And thus, that's why the doorbell happens when it happens. Right. But isn't Trudy's husband in Dorothy's room? Like, where is Trudy's? Because Trudy's husband question. isn't I don't at know, the party. Because why would Trudy's husband be in Dorothy's room now? Well, for the for the big oh, for reveal the way, of Dorothy's prank. Well, but yeah, but like, wouldn't that be, I don't know. It's, a, I have, I'm going to give it up to the fantasy of sitcom television. I'm not going to lose. I'm not going right. to die on this hill. All right. Yeah. It's it, the, the answer is Carrie because it's a sitcom. Um, okay. So Trudy is like all pleased with herself. And she's like, you know, she reveals that faking her death was a practical joke. Um, and a bunch of the party guests, when she says it was a practical joke, because everybody is shocked. Um, there's a, the party guests are like, oh, like yeah. d disappointed and disgusted, but it also a little bit sounds like it's coming from the studio audience. Like, yeah. oh, that's so, how dare you upset me like that? That is low. Like that sort of, it feels like it's coming from the studio audience. Um, also I think it could have been funny if. If, if Trudy really wanted to like crank up her practical joke a notch, mm -hmm. she could have done like a Pepper's ghost situation with some mirrors and lights. And she could have shown up to the reunion pretending to be a ghost for a while before <laughs> being like, psych, I'm alive. I'm just saying, I'm pitching for anybody who's going to pull a Trudy McMahon that like maybe, maybe be a ghost for a while. Yeah. 
Yes. I mean, I would be into that. I would be into it. I think that's a fun one. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so, uh, Blanche and Rose are like, Hey, you need to go apologize to Dorothy. So she goes into the, um, bedroom to find <gasps> Dorothy in bed with Trudy's husband. I mean, the and faces, Trudy is- Dorothy and her husband <laughs> in bed together. And they were, they, the way they timed the shot of the shocked face is perfect. But yeah, so everyone and Dor- Trudy's like, it's you just so get into bed with the husband right after your friend drops dead. And then of course there's the, Throw the blankets down reveal. Yeah. Yes. And, and well, there's another really great Blanche moment where, you know, Trudy's like, what kind of person jumps into bed with her dearest friend's husband? And Blanche goes, well, not necessarily a bad person. Sometimes circumstance. Oh, you were talking to her. There's also that moment between Um, when Trudy's husband says something and it like infers that Dorothy is bad in bed. And then Dorothy goes, ma, (laughs) you know, like, do you remember that moment? Yeah. Ma, not a word. Yeah. Yeah, It's so so good. 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 Um, uh, in like, yeah, it's, it's so good. And, you know, and, and, and then they, yeah, like you said, they throw off the covers, Dorothy and Trudy's husband are clothed. They're like, gotcha. You know, Dorothy was on to Trudy. She had figured it out. So she, she was one upping her with her practical joke. Uh, and, and they make up so quickly, so quickly. Yeah. They go like, yeah. Trudy's like, I, you know, Dorothy's born act. I've got one word for you. Boy, have I missed you. Like, that's the, the, the one thing she can say. And Blanche and Rose cannot believe that the women aren't mad at each other. And I'm like, I'm actually quite worried. I was like, is this a toxic relationship or is it really fun and games? I can't quite tell, but I don't want to think too hard about it. Yeah. 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 And uh, and then, yeah, Rose and Blanche pretend to get mad at Dorothy for, you know, not telling them that she was playing a practical joke. And then Blanche well, has Blanche. that like wonderful moment where she sneaks back around the corner after Dorothy thinks like, oh, I've lost my friends. And then Blanche is all like, gotcha. So and then the episode's over. But very quick question before we do our golden takeaways. Yeah. Trudy's practical joke. Do you think it falls under the practical joke category or was that like a straight up cruel like prank lie. I think it can be both. I think it can be a cruel practical joke. I think it's like, I think it's beyond a practical joke. I feel like it's like a cruel manipulative lie I to don't make think someone so. think that you killed them. I don't think it's necessarily a lie because you're going to reveal the lie. So like, it's not like an intentional lie. All practical jokes are basically a lie. It, it was just cruel. It was just wrong. You don't do that. You know, it's just, it was too far. It was just like what Blanche said. Some of the things we did in high school are appropriate when we're adults. Yeah. Yeah. It's too far, Trudy. Yeah. Too far. Too, too far. far, Trudy. Um, Go back but to yeah, funny girl. Overall, that's the episode. It was so fun to rewatch. It had been a minute since I'd seen that one. And I'm mm-hmm. just, I'm really glad we watched it. I thought it was, I thought it was really, really fun. I loved every second of it, but I do think that we should get to our golden takeaway. Yeah, oh, I'm mine's so golden. Yeah. Ooh, I'm ready. And we are back with our golden takeaway, which is a nugget of truth or inspiration that you can apply to your life or the lives of our listeners. Carrie, what is your golden takeaway from this episode? So uh my golden takeaway is speaking of practical jokes, um, in the show notes, I am going to drop a link to an amazing practical joke that I'm sure most of you have seen, maybe not all of you, uh, a practical joke that was played to the women during a rehearsal on an mm. episode of The Golden Girls. Um, this is when all of the women are, they're doing the scene where Blanche hands out the men of Blanche's boudoir calendar. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And Someone had made a calendar. A lot of the men who worked on the set, um, crew members and stuff, had they'd taken photos of them sort of in sexy poses and stuff, and they put those in the calendar. And the women are flipping through them and their genuine reactions of seeing these for the first time. It's just, it's so fun to watch. And that is a lighthearted practical joke that I feel like I can yeah. um I can condone. Um, and we'll put it in the the, the show notes because it, it truly is funny to there's watch. There's also, I mean, similarly, there's one um, with, it's sort of a blooper, but it's not really a blooper. It's Betty White practicing the the chat with her daughter or with her granddaughter, Bobby or whatever. And it's a stand-in doing the lines because the child actor can't be out there. And she starts putting on the makeup on the, on the guy, the stage person doing yeah. the lines with her. And that isn't really a practical joke, but it is sort of just like a, 
like a silly moment. I love those. It's moments a silly moment for yeah, sure. Yeah. I was thinking about this during like, what practical jokes do I like? And of course I mentioned that I like jackass, but mainly for the penis. Um, so I think my favorite practical joke that I watch pretty regularly on YouTube is not from the golden girls at all, but it's from Ellen when Adele went to a Jamba juice. Have you seen this video? No, but the the words Adele went to a Jamba Juice yeah. is very funny to me. It's so the whole thing. It really isn't a practical joke, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what a practical joke is. But she wears an earpiece, and Ellen basically tells her things to do. And she Ellen did that with a bunch of different people, Chris Jenner, et cetera. Isn't that what they do on Impractical Jokers? Isn't that what that show is? Mm, that's just too straight wrong? for me. I don't know what anyway, that is about. But, I don't watch it. Um, I but on Ellen, so she has, uh, she tells Adele as she's ordering a Jamba Juice, she's like doing stupid things. And then she tells Adele to cut off, you know, some of the grass, the wheat grass yes. or whatever they have. She tells Adele just to like literally take scissors out of her purse that she just has in her purse and cut off wheatgrass and eats it. Like, starts eating it, and the person, the Jamba Juice person is like, what are you doing, Adele? <laughs> like, it's just like, it's a wild thing to watch. It's so fun. I'll send you the link to add to the show notes as well, because it's a fun, okay. it's a fun little stupid watch. It has nothing to do with the Golden Girls, but it is a delightful practical joke that I loved so much, and I watch probably monthly. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah I'll have to check it out. Yeah. I will have to check out Adele in a Jamba Juice. Oh, my goodness. Well, guys, that was another episode of Out on the Lanai. Thank you all so much for listening. And be sure to catch us back here next week for more Golden Girls greatness. Oh, so much fun this episode. I feel like a lot of ground was covered. It was fun. Guys, we are a part of Mom. You know. You know what to do. Go join Mom Plus and support all the great Mom podcasts. And you can find us on social media at Golden Girls Pod on Twitter, out on the Lanai official on Instagram, Golden Girls Pod on Facebook, and I am Sadie Pines and H. Allen Scott on everything. And I'm Squidzy on Instagram and Squiddy Squid on Twitter. And if you have a moment, please rate and review us wherever you get this podcast because the more ratings we get, the more the show will get bumped up and the more people will discover it and join our lovely kick-ass community of Golden Girls fans. I will say that, guys. Now, I, that's usually a throwaway thing we do at the end of the episode. But let me just say you need to go leave a little review and a ranking. It really, really does help, especially since we're doing new episodes and we've joined a new network. It helps us tremendously to go and leave a little rating and review, and we would just very much appreciate it. Um, yes. And, as always, remember, stay, stay golden! golden! Jackass people.